composing your mind, paying attention which includes the, the broad spectrum of attention, their attention as it embraces everything to a detail. We're going to focus on one particular thing. See the, <clears throat> like the, the broad spectrum is like the point that includes everything. I always looked at one pointedness as one, you've got to absorb into one thing, one object. And I just began to recognize a point uh, can be any dimension because of my particular definition of point for a while was like a little dot on a piece of paper or something minute and, uh, and yet a point can be all-inclusive. So this is just a, a way of, of uh, contemplating the use of our language and how, you know, we, we can look at things from different perspectives. Language doesn't bind us to seeing everything from a de definition we get, or we have, or we assume. So when we're attached to words, we tend to lose malleability and get rigid, become quite rigid in the way we perceive and experience life, because we're bound to the limitation of uh, maybe a narrow interpretation of a word. <clears throat> so that's why this, this kind of reflective ability to not to be bound to a language, but learn how to use the language so it it a way it way of looking, investigating, opening to life, rather than just merely. Um, paralyzing experience with uh, assumptions and views. Now, in, with awareness, because it, it embraces everything, it, it allows things to be what they are. And so with emotional experience, uh, we're strongly identified with emotions and oftentimes afraid of our own emotional habits and emotional power. Um, so with emotion, you know, it's, it's a feeling, it's, <clears throat> it's a mood, it's, it's, a, it's not a, it's, a, you know, it's greed, hatred, or delusion, fear. And it becomes more complicated with guilt and worry. 
So sometimes when I when I reflect like this, I I always get the impression people think that I kind of bypass my emotions. I just sit there and uh, see hatred like this, and then this, you know, I don't feel it. It's kind of like a kind of uh, aloofness towards the emotional experience I'm I'm having in the present, but that's not the case. <clears throat> it's being fully with the emotion, you know, feeling it and and allowing it. It's not not a judgment or an identity with it. It's it's a way of looking and 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 learning from emotional habits that you're fully with it. You you it feels like this, like despair or grief is this way. It's this sense of as isness or the way it is is not a a kind of a distancing myself in some kind of superior position, but embracing it so that. The emotion is fully received. So, if we, you know, when one grasps the concepts, and then of course it easily, you know, one projects, you know, just watch your emotions. It's kind of a kind of. Uh, True, but not right. Right, but not true. Position, and in some way, we can always we can. It's a kind of like um, putting everything at a distance, denying it what it really is. Don't you know? Just or they they call it bypassing emotion. <clears throat> That's not what I'm saying. You know. In fact, you, you're more sensitive. One becomes more sensitive the more mindful you are. Because you're not into, into the old habits of control that's based out of fear and, and all the complications that one creates around emotional experience when, when you're just neurotic and, and uh, frightened of, of emotional experience. But I, I notice in my life, you know, <clears throat> long before I became a monk or started meditation, there's always something present, you know, in in every experience. And when and the emotions are stirred up, and one is going through emotional traumas or reactions to life, there is a presence still there. You know, there's a knowing, a recognition of, of this. Now, I can only speak from my own experience. I'm just suggesting that, you know, I've talked to others and they've also said this. Mm. So there's, you know, one is connected the universal wisdom it's not you know it's uh, it's not a personal acquisition 
it's part of you know it's being being part of this universe so and the more we pay attention the more the more mindful we are then 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 this wisdom manifests or can guide I see a thread through my life of on a personal level I can't figure out can't figure it out because my personality isn't wasn't created out of wisdom but I know in in childhood in in uh, youth middle age and that there's there's been something even in the midst of of great emotional problems and upheavals and things like this that there's there's something that doesn't get lost in it <clears throat> when I was in the Navy I noticed that uh, of course young men the thing was to go out and drink a lot and uh, I noticed that even with a lot of drink, there's something that doesn't quite, is still operating, you know, some, some, something that doesn't get drunk. But I noticed also among some of the others, uh, that they just, they just, uh, you know, after a few drinks, they just totally lose themselves in their, in, in their kind of whatever. A totally kind of uh, lose any that sense. The nicest people can become really uh, crazy just with with a little bit of alcohol. So this is noticing how in in my own life as a monk. You go through periods of great anguish and, and release, where where this, this weeping takes place, where it's just a total, complete uh, anguish and despair and grief or whatever, it's a, where the the crying comes from the you know from the gut level. It isn't just a few delicate tears running down one's face the howling but within these experiences then there's also an awareness <clears throat> if one interprets it always on a personal level you know oh I have emotional problems and my Emotions are like this, and I have a problem with anger, and I have a problem with fear, and and I'm a fear type, or I'm a greedy type, or whatever. Then these 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 identity, the way we we want to create ourselves with and define ourselves with with these emotional habits. As if there's something wrong with emotional habits, and <clears> or <throat> that we're that way all the time. 
Well, we've got this sense that this is always with us. You know, I'm always, there's, there's this, this undercurrent of anger always with me as some kind of latent energy that, that, uh, is mine. So, and this is a very Western way of thinking. You know, modern psychology and they tend to reinforce this, this way of thinking. So that does have an effect when we, when we define ourselves in any way. You know, it, we, we limit ourselves. And we, you know, we, and when the emotions do arise, we, we have ways of, you know, of, of, uh, you know, habitual ways of suppressing them or being lost in them or, or letting, losing ourselves in them either or through just denying them, distracting ourselves to get away from grief or fear. So what I'm, the awareness, using emotion as a, as a, as one of the foundations of mindfulness, say jitanupasana, mood, and it can be extreme emotion or just general moods of, you know, feeling lonely, sad, then uh, that which is aware, the puto, isn't a, a cold witness. It, it embraces, so it includes, it allows these emotions. <clears throat> and we feel them, you certainly feel them. You, you feel the pain and the, and the, the uh, grief or whatever that that is part of that experience. So you're not kind of sidestepping that, but you're or trying to avoid any anything about it. But by being aware of it, you're able to see it in in its totality as it exists, as it arises, sustains itself, and ceases. I don't think of meditation as just making you a kind of uh, rational, indifferent witness to life. So then awareness allows us to feel emotions, to be emotional without being, uh, you know, caught in the habit of that emotion. So a lot of, you know, emotional habit around experience is to, is to suppress them or to totally identify with them and, and kind of fully indulge it on a, as if it was 
you know, with this assumption that it's really mine. So these are the two extremes where you totally lose yourself, delude yourself with it, or or <clears throat> deny it, reject it. So this is in in, you know, in in awareness. This is not. This this allows us to learn from emotion, from loss, when we when we reflect on all that is mine, beloved, and pleasing will become otherwise, will become separated from me. This isn't just a kind of, you know, a, a Buddhist monastics, uh, you know, kind of way of looking at life as, as a, from a position, but it's a reflection, isn't it? That, that in terms of conditioned realm, it's all about coming together and separating. On this conditioned level, isn't it? That's the way it is. It begins and ends. Is born and dies. So what is, you know, separation, uh, loss, when something ends, when something you love, somebody you love dies or goes away. Uh, loss of the love, isn't it? This is all of, you know, we, we've all experienced this. And we begin to, you know, we use it to fully be with it rather than to just have some theory about if I really mindful I wouldn't feel any grief or <clears throat> or stiff upper lip, you know, don't make a scene, the kind of uh, cultural reactions we might have. So, uh, contemplating the endings of things, when people disrobe, when people were very attached to go away, when, uh, when activities that we are very much involved with or committed to ends and things like this is all points of reflection to see the, the loss or the ending. Not through thinking about it, but recognizing the experience of it. They're like, uh, this is the last two days of the retreat. The retreat ends. And notice how much the mind starts thinking about what's next. You know, what am I going to do next? Uh, planning for the next thing and and not really, you know, Contemplating what ending is like when something that began. Say this is this level of conception, isn't it? Of retreat begins, and that was a different feeling. Ending is like this, and we can completely bypass that feeling by by, by even now planning our next moves. And that's oftentimes how the human beings live. 
they never notice or never fully with the flow of life because when things reach a critical stage then they 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 want something else and they go on to the next thing so this can be considered like rebirth process you know you don't finish anything you don't you you say the heedless person never really notices the ending because they when li- when anything gets to it, to its uh going towards cessation, we tend to seek an arising situation. This continuous kind of desire for the next thing, for something, for the next event, the next relationship, the next experience. Something, you know, to to get born into that's arising. So in, in the Buddha, you know, in Manasseh, we we emphasize a lot the, you know, the old man, the sick, the dead, the corpse, the monk. These are the four heavenly messengers that awakened Prince Siddhartha. Wasn't beautiful devanas and angels and and uh, promise of heaven and and living in a realm of eternal bliss and increasing refinement. The, the, what awakened the prince was the ending of the human experience. Age, aging, sickness, death. And then I've always liked the idea of the Samana, the monk sitting under the tree, is a Devaduta. So when it, you know, they realize that um, we're fulfilling this role in this country this time. <laughs> you can see yourself as a Devaduta in England. <clears throat> But also to oneself, you know, the samana is not seeking rebirth. And, you know, this is the, you know, this is the, the, um, the purpose of this life, not to be seeking rebirth. Romance, adventure, excitement, happiness all this other, the, the positive side, but by reflecting on that which we we tend to ignore, don't want to see, but is part of our human experience. So pain, isn't it? Loss, grief, sorrow, despair, anguish. I am of the nature to age, I have not gone beyond aging. And Now these are not depressing. The the uh, the ending of life, the other side of the you know the downhill slide, the aging process, uh, illness and sickness and disability and and the death. These are not depressing unless we we're frightened and averse to them. 
You know, these, because these are part of nature, these are part of experience. So wisdom is, is uh, you know, it's not, you don't develop wisdom or don't, wisdom won't operate through as long as you're just seeking rebirth all the time, looking for the next hit, the next high moment, the next interesting thing. <clears throat> And lost in that continuous search for happiness, pleasure, safety, and security. Notice that the Buddha established monastic life on alms mendicancy, insecurity. Not on, you know, having uh, uh, material security, but on not having because in modern western world isn't it, this demand for security is endless guarantees of you know security for my whole life my family for everything is uh, is a demand that we make So it's not a kind of morbid fascination with death, but that is, isn't what we're about, but a, an interest taking, paying attention to the way it is, the Dhamma. And then that is liberating, not depressing, it's liberating. What is depressing is, is, uh, you know, caught in negative state. That's what depression is all about, where you get stuck, kind of bound into negative thinking and anxiety. So you, you know, you can just bind yourself to a kind of fatalistic negative view of life. And, and you, one just becomes depressed by that attitude. That's depressing, that is you're, you know, one has, has bound oneself to something that is, uh, is negative and makes us see in, in a negative way. Everything looks dreary and hopeless and life doesn't have any purpose and all your friends are going to leave and you can't trust anybody and the government's no good and, and goes on like that. Just an ongoing uh, you know, criticism and kind of um, complaint against life in general. I'm no good, can't do it, I'm a failure. And then by, by that hab habitual repetition of these attitudes and thoughts, you know, you sink into a hell realm, but that's all you ever see. We are experienced even on a bright sunny day. You know, it's going to rain anyway, you know, what England's like. 
So you, you can't, you know, you have no spark to enjoy things as they are. I can see in my own tendency, you know, the end of retreat and what's next and these thoughts do occur. But being aware, you know, really uh, using this sense of ending, something that began is now ending. Just, just to, to develop an awareness around something that can be easily ignored. So birth and death and beginning, ending, these are the words that convey this impermanent nature of conditioned phenomena. Intellectual attitudes, material world, emotional habits, whatever. All Kapais and Karanicha, all conditions are impermanent. And in the our refuge is in the awareness. And then <clears throat> the awareness is the gate to the deathless. That's the way we connect to the unconditioned, where we recognize the unconditioned, Nibbana, Atamiyata. So you see, like a, 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 as long as you aren't aware and you're operating from a, attachment and identity with the five khandhas, you're kind of, you're really in a state of madness because it, one thing goes up to the next. You know, there's no there's no space in your life. You're always the thinking mind and the habitual patterns just repeat themselves throughout your life. So you, you know, you, then as you get older, you know, you find yourself thinking the same boring thoughts that you've thought for years, the same reactions, the same silly things come up in consciousness over and over again. One can still, you know, if one hasn't really accepted emotional patterns for what they are, one, you know, then as you get older and you lose control of things, you lose your ability to, that you have when you're younger, or at your peak, to to be at the top and in control and master of everything. You you develop, you know, the the old habits of 
feeling helpless come back in. The old emotions, uh, infant emotions start coming back into consciousness. <clears throat> because you, you know, you as you get older, you, you know, you're going, you lose that. You know, you have the sense of being on top. I'm a successful person in the world. I am done this and I've done that. But you can't sustain that. You know, things reach a peak and then then in retirement, old age and the and the experiences that come with old age will bring back so oftentimes very childish emotional patterns. So that's why you meet elderly people sometimes they be very childish. <coughs> It's like a baby is, is quite helpless, but it's innocent, isn't it? And it needs, you know, and it, and it cries and it wants its way and it needs something. So, it, Or, you know, you grow up and you're asserting yourself, you know, asserting yourself as an independent from your mother or father and you throw tantrums and you become stubborn and... That because this is part of growing up, but then uh, it can easily repeat itself in old age. And then it's not from innocence, is it? It's habit. Just uh, old habits. When the conditions arise for this feeling of helplessness and inability come, then this is what happens. It's a bhajanta. When these conditions are present, this is the result. So, this is where this being knower, the disposition of knowing, awareness, awakeness, is learning to receive karma. I am the owner of my karma, heir to my karma, born of my karma, related to my karma, abide, supported by my karma. Whatever I shall do for good or for ill, of that I shall be the heir. And this is reflection. What does this really mean? And, you know, and not just in theory, not as just some theory about karma. People ask me, do you believe in the law of karma? Is <laughs> this with something you believe in? It's, uh, it's uh, karma is pointing to, you know, the way things are. And right now, this is the karma of my life, sitting up here. This is karma. Breathing and, and, and uh, all that this moment includes is uh, what we call the vipaka karma, resultant karma. So then on the worldly level, a condition plane to do good and refrain from doing bad is a general, you know, that's the instruction. Do good, refrain from doing bad. So if you, you know, to make good karma and to avoid creating bad karma, 
this is dualistic, isn't it? This is this is kind of worldly advice. This is you know the, the, what you give to people to those who who want to be successful or happy in the world, as uh, you know, find happiness in the world. Then you do you find happiness through doing good, refraining from doing bad. Success also, you know, and and uh, happy life, good life, and being morally, being responsible for actions and speech, morality, things like this, lead towards self-respect, happy, uh, a positive view of life, and a and uh, good relationships with others. So in in for success in the world, this is encouraged. The dana sila practices that are basis, the basis of practice. Generosity, dana sila, and morality. Now then, um, then pavana. Which is uh, cultivation of the path, awareness. So this is opening. The, this is the this is the escape out of the world. You know the the door or the gate to the unconditioned or the deathless. So this is the this is the aim of the holy life. You know the monastic form and that is for for it to help the skillful means designed to uh, encourage and help us to practice to do pavana awareness so in our lives here the awareness is emphasized as you already know but then grasping, you know, like got to be aware all the time, and this is this kind of way we can make it personal. I, sh- I should never distract myself. I should be aware all the time. These are the shoulds, the ideals again that we, we take the words of the Buddha and grasp them. So then, when we, you're holding, I should be aware. I shouldn't, I shouldn't uh, be heedless. And I've got to practice, and I should never distract myself. I should face everything head on. When there's anger, I say, oh, this is anger, yes, like this, and do this under all all experiences all the time. Now, this is idealism again, taking taking something and then raising it up and, and, and grasping it. So this is where it's, uh, you know, when we do that, then we're bound to fail all the time. So we're always, you know, I've got to be mindful, I've got to practice mindfulness, and and then when we feel we aren't, and we've lost, then we, oh, you know, we get into a negative state. Just this 
Oh, there I go again. I've lost it. I did something I shouldn't have. Oh, I said something I shouldn't have. Woe is me. I'm not very mindful. I'm not a good monk or a nun. It goes on into that. So this is why I encourage to, you know, this sense of of trusting your intuition because this in, this isn't intuitive, you know, when you when you're uh, beating yourself up for not being totally mindful all the time. You know, this is not this is not you're lost in a in the self view again. I should be mindful all the time as a person. Because this is an ideal. So I I advise you to, you know, stop that beating yourself up. You know, to uh to just decide and I and this worked for me, I don't know. And you know, I decided I wasn't gonna do that anymore. Even if I made mistakes, was heedless, or whatever. And, and But that moment where I saw, you know, there's this awakening, I suddenly recognized, rather than going into this scenario of, oh, I did it, I, oh, I shouldn't, I've got to practice more, I'm not mindful enough, what will people think? Uh, I decided to not give that, not to follow that, to, to trust in this moment where, you know, even lost in heedlessness, carried away, and then suddenly this point of awakening, you know, that's something to treasure, to uh, value, to cultivate that rather than to persecute yourself for not being mindful all the time according to some ideal you have, you're grasping. You see, so uh, things tend to go in patterns. Like, say, with with anger, say the emotion of anger, not wanting to be angry, and then determining, I'm not going to, I'm not going to get angry. And so you're, 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 you've decided you're not going to get angry. Make an aditan, I'm not going to get angry. And then something happens and you be, you get angry. And then you say something in anger. And then you catch yourself. And then you go into, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Oh, dear me, why? I really lost it. I really got carried away. I should be more mindful. And it goes on into an, into that guilt and remorse and and uh, self uh, disparagement. So years ago, I decided. Sometimes, you know, the anger rises can rise very quickly and like a you know like a bomb explode. And then a tremendous feeling of guilt and. The inability to practice and failure. So then I saw that by aligning myself with all that, you know, punishing myself, 
criticizing myself for failure was not of any value. You know, it doesn't doesn't help, doesn't have any good effect to just get lost in that, so why bother? So this sense of of awareness, recognizing it, and aware of, of that this has happened, and and then not letting the mind just wallow in remorse and guilt for days after. Starting anew, this all this beginner's mind starting, you know, chance to begin anew this moment. And really being grateful for this moment of awareness rather than regretting all the moments that you're not aware. You see what I mean? Then you're developing a more skillful way of dealing with it, with a break, break through these cycles of habit. <clears throat> you're breaking through or breaking down the habitual pattern. So it is like humility, isn't it? It may, uh, the truth is, 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 uh, allows us to experience humility because we're never going to succeed on the ego level through in, in this practice. You can't make yourself an enlightened person. No matter how clever and gifted you might be on that level. <clears throat> so it's it's very simple things like like being a sense of gratitude for this moment of awareness rather, you know, this is you know, feeling this this is more skillful than feeling a lot of regret because you ha- you've lost your you you, know, you see yourself as not being mindful and and then criticizing. Then uh, you know. Then trusting your own intuition in your practice. You know to find out what. What helps and what doesn't? You know, so you're really, you know, you're you're really taking an interest in this moment. And if it, if this moment is boring, dull, all that kind of thing, then em- then emotionally we we just. You know, we go into dull state, fall asleep, or we we want to distract ourselves. Just noting this, and it's all right to distract yourself too. When you get, you know, if you've had enough, you know the limit. Then distract yourself. Don't don't be don't be so try to be so perfect. So you're not just bound to some kind of ongoing slog of I've got to be mindful all the time, conquer all the defilements. And uh, because you, you understand the theory, and it's true, you know, but knowing your own limitations, 
be able to to enjoy life, to enjoy this life of a monastic. How to to use this tradition, this form, for enjoying life, the moments of our life uh, within this within this convention. Because this this uh, living within this form it has a lot is incredibly joyful, beautiful way to live when when you look at it from from that position. <laughs> if you look at it, monasticism is oh, I gotta give up everything and conquer my defilements and be celibate and. And I don't have the freedom to just go where I want to and <clears throat> my independence, I'm going to, you know, conformity to a group and, and then all the people here, you know, uh, sometimes you, you know, you, you can find yourself gravitating to lay people more. Because the monastics, you know, you, uh, don't, I don't have any affinities with any of these monastics and on and on like this. <clears throat> so this is these are you know, these are habit patterns that arise. Looking for a special relationship or best friend kind of thing where one wants to have one have a best friend relationship with somebody. So these are all points of, of reference. Not that these are wrong or anything, but just noticing the the result, you know, of of this the the way the mind can be very critical negative. And especially when, when the life gets dreary and boring. <clears throat> and one's going through that kind of valley of of uh, that, what, 40 years in the desert or those dreary patches. <clears throat> anyway, here, I'm about to be trying to to uh, you know, how allow this environment here to be a reflective one, you know, rather than just a, a you know, something that with a party line and a, and a demand for obedience and conformity. Because it's really important that we take on our lives, you know, and learn from them and be able to develop skillful means that 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 work for for me for us you know so we have different karmic uh, situations different tendencies different characters different habits and and so these ha you know these that's how we work it out individually too as and as a group You've got the Sangha as a refuge. And then 
with our own individual karma, our character, our way of thinking, our preferences, our inclinations. Then in terms of skillful means, we need to, you need to, to trust your own sense of what, what helps increase awareness towards something that may be very personal or very frightening or very habitual. Even only you can know this. And Lung Po Chao is very, one of his great uh, qualities was that he, he encouraged us to develop our own upayas or skillful means in dealing with individual things, individual experience. He could give general broad lines and suggestions. But when it came to actual developing skillful means and he encouraged us to, to figure that out ourselves. You know what? So, so for my own practice, just things that upset my mind or upset me or where I, those points where I just lose myself or get lost in moods, I use, you know, the, and then developing ways of of releasing that, not of denying or getting rid of, but making it more conscious, making things that before I I resisted into more more consciously accepted, reflecting on them, allowing allowing negative emotions to to be in consciousness. But rather than identi- identifying with them, you know, one is, is seeing them as they are, allowing them to be what they are. So then this is like the practice of metta, unconditioned love, is allowing things to be, people to be, creatures to be what they are, you know, uh, externally. Which is, not uh, approving of the way anything is. It's just, uh, you know, receiving something in total rather than than uh, conditions, you know. I love you when you behave yourself and when you please me and you don't upset me. <laughs> then they, then they uh, apply that inwardly you know, to to the mental states, the emotional habits. And see what happens. Reflect what is the result of that? You know, you you're you're the one that can know. You're the one that uh, is experiencing it. So this is how you, you know, you can prove it to yourself. Like with, say, <clears throat> just example of say, some emotion like um, fear. So, fear, I began to notice was, you know, it has very strong power to make me run away. Something gets frightening or threatening or 
that then then my immediate reaction is to run away from it, either physically or emotionally, to just repress it, to distract myself, get away. And that's the p- power of fear. It has, you know, it has this, this, um, this. Um, that's it. It, it. it has power when you do that. You know, it, it has its control over you. If if I can make you afraid of me, then I have power over you. You know, so on a personal level, if I, my relationship with you is making you frightened. I have a lot of power over you. But if if I'm trying to make you frightened and you look at me, confront me, I'm disempowered. The fear is 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 is, that is not being empowered anymore through recognition. <clears throat> and so this is in, in this intuitive, this awareness, intuitive awareness, allows us to to look at what we're frightened of, trust it, trust it really, because then you can look at fear in the directly and then you see there's nothing to it you know it's it's uh, like a like a paper dragon it all is huge and or and dangerous looking and and uh, looks looks very threatening but once you look turn around to look at it, it doesn't have anything in it it's just hollow These are, you know, don't believe me on this either, but test it out, you know. Look at, at, you know, uh, to try at least, to learn how to change the attitude of just, you know, and run away towards maybe this occasion to look at this, to, to confront it, to look it straight in the eye. And so then you might not always be successful, but you're getting the idea at least, and be glad for that. You know, even if you fail at it, don't despair. Just try again. You know, so that your this encouragement is necessary. Keep encouraging, being patient with yourself, and and it. You know, keep going in that direction rather than because. You know, you you fail, and then getting lost in the negative 
I failed, can't do it, and 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 wallow in this in this uh, self disparagement. So, so I encourage you to to recognize that that doesn't help at all. Just to disparage yourself and and just get caught in there. I can't do it. I'm no good. And 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 believe that and stay in that place for a while. It, just, it doesn't, you know, when you see, it's just a kind of useless um, habit that you've you've acquired. When you when you're in a society that that worships success, bravery, and all the top, you know, the great virtues, and you know, then you then you're uh, you're measuring yourself with these great standards, and of course, on that level, you're you can't really succeed. So then, fear of failure is very strong. Being being a failure of being old, losing control, losing your memory, getting sick. Getting terminal illness, all this kind of thing. We can we can live our lives in dread and anxiety and worry about all the possibilities of failure and misery and misfortune, poverty, loss. So, so this is you know a waste of this is this kind of way we move into that is is does not have any useful function, it just destroys the moment, makes the moment into miserable, into a miserable one. Even when the conditions for happiness can be present, we can make ourselves quite miserable. So, so you know, recognize that just this endless self-criticism feeling of failure and worthlessness is, is a habit of the mind. It's uh, you know it's it's, a, it's an habitual part of a pattern. It's not it's not true. It's not anything to give importance to. What the way to use it is to recognize it, not to analyze why you you do this, but to just recognize, to receive it, and not to to let it take you over and get lost in it. Or when you do get lost in it, that moment where you see that you, what you're doing, that awakened moment, then then bow to that moment. Be grateful for this one moment of awakeness. Mm.